we are in the book of Acts, and uh, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm so excited about this. It's only the second week, and, and uh, just so excited about going through this book together as a body and, and seeing all the things that we're about to see throughout this whole book. And uh, I hope you're, you're excited about it too. But today we're going to look at uh, Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 6 through 11. And, and uh, if you were here last week, um, kind of finished off. Jesus, you know, he, he, he tells the disciples to wait in, in, uh, in Jerusalem until the promise of the Holy Spirit comes on them. We kind of talked about, man, how, well, that must have been like. I mean, here's the disciples who, they live with Jesus. <clears throat> they bailed on him. He gets arrested. They leave. Uh, they see that he's died. Um, and, and they watch him suffer and die. And uh, how discouraging. I mean, how afraid they must have been when Jesus was dead. And uh, this is the guy they were hanging everything on and uh, gave their lives for, and here he's dead. And then uh, we talked last week how he appeared and proved himself by, by appearing to many. And uh, what that must have done in the disciples, I mean, to see Jesus alive again after seeing him dead and just like, I, I don't know about you, but if that's me in that place, I, the next thing for me is I got to go. Like, I'm going to go tell people I'm ready to go. You tell me whatever I'm going. And Jesus word for them is wait. And so just how, how hard that must have been for the disciples, because if anyone is ready to do the work of, of missions, it's the disciples at this point, because here's Jesus who they walked with. They learned from he's dead and now he's alive again. And everything that he said he was going to do, he did it. It's all true. It's all true. We know it's true. Let's go do this. And his word for them is wait. And so we're kind of picking up right there um, in, in verse six. Uh, we're going to read through verse uh, 11 here. It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in, this, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let me pray. Father, thanks for your word. And Lord, I, I, I just pray that you would speak right now. And every word that comes out of my mouth would be exactly what you want for people to hear about this passage and God that you would change me and change each of us father um, I so I so want to be what you have called us to be I so want to live for you the way that these people live for you um, who saw you and who experienced you who touched you and, and who knew you and uh, God you call us to the same calling you haven't changed at all and so I, I just pray for that through this study make us more and more and more and more like the followers that you want us to be. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here we are in uh, verse 6. It says, So when they had come together, it's talking about um, the disciples. He told them to wait. He's going to meet them there. When they come together, Jesus and the disciples, they ask him this question. Um, the disciples, they ask uh, Jesus, they say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, this is a, a, a valid question. Uh, And probably one that is asked with extreme excitement. I mean, you have to understand, here's the disciples 
who a lot of what Jesus taught was about the kingdom of, of God. What he's going to be setting up, you know, Matthew 13, where he goes through uh, the kingdom of God is like a treasure, and, and the kingdom of God is like one who, who plants uh, all this uh, field, and, and an enemy comes in and plants um, weeds in it. And, and so the picture is the kingdom of God is, is, is there's weeds and there's, and there's those that are of the kingdom. And, and so at the end time, then, then the weeds are going to be separated, and, and, and then um, those that are of the kingdom are going to be brought into the kingdom, and those that aren't are going to be cast out and burned. It's a picture of hell. And, and so he goes through that in Matthew 13. He, he talks about in, in Matthew 24 and 25, things that are going to take place before the end comes, before um, Jesus sets up his kingdom on earth. And he goes through those two chapters just talking about these are the things to watch for. These are the signs of the end of times. And and just throughout, you look at um, Mark and you look at Luke and you look at John and just teaching after teaching after teaching where Jesus is really preparing his disciples and telling them about the coming kingdom. And it's not just all this that Jesus has taught them throughout the Old Testament. I mean, they knew the words of the Old Testament where, where they knew that the Messiah was going to come. And that's Jesus. And so they know that the Messiah is going to come. And when he comes, the, the, the Old Testament teaches that he's coming. He's going to set up his kingdom on earth. And so even from the beginning, from the time that Jesus comes in and the disciples believe this is the Messiah, this is the one that's promised to come. From that time on, they're just waiting. They're expecting Jesus is going to overthrow this Roman government that's over top of us. He's going to set up his kingdom. We're going to be a part of this. We're, we're his guys, right? We're like, we're like the king's guys, and we get to watch and be a part of him just overthrowing this government we don't like and we don't want to be under, and, and, and it's going to be awesome, and then this kingdom is going to be perfect. And so the disciples are anticipating. In fact, um, in Luke chapter 24, um, I'll just read you this verse. You don't, you don't have to look there, but it's actually um, it's after Jesus has been resurrected. It's a story of... Uh, on the road to Emmaus, where, where uh, two of the disciples are walking along, and Jesus appears to them. They don't know it's Jesus. kind of hides from their eyes that it's him, and, and he's going through talking to them. And It's a really cool story. We're not going to read and, and go through the whole thing. But in verse 21, it actually says um, they're talking to Jesus, and it says, But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. There's disappointment in the disciples. They're disappointed because they thought Jesus was coming. They thought they understood it as Jesus is going to come and he's going to set up this kingdom. And this is going to be awesome because we're going to be a part of it. And he didn't do it. He died instead. And uh, that's not good for a king who's going to set up a kingdom. And it doesn't work out well, usually, when the king who's supposed to set up the kingdom dies instead. And so here they are, like, baffled by this and they're bummed out about it. And so. The next thing they know, they see Jesus. And so they're like built up again with this confidence. Not only is he the Messiah, he just rose from the dead. So now they're in this mindset of, okay, he didn't set up his kingdom back there, but now he's risen from the dead. Like he's glorified. He's like this amazing, amazing God. Surely now, Jesus, you've risen from the dead. You've conquered death. The Romans are nothing for you. This must be the time when you're going to set up your kingdom on earth. And what is Jesus' response? He says, not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. What a bummer, probably, for the, the disciples, right? They've asked him this once before. They asked him one time before, and, and his answer was like, you know, no one knows the day. Be ready, okay? Because uh, no one knows the day. No one knows the hour. Not, not the angels in heaven. Not even the Son. Only the Father. And when he gives the command, that's when it's going to happen. And so, 
That's probably a little bit of a bummer back there, but now here he is resurrected, and it's got to be. I mean, we've we've read, we understand end time stuff, right? We've read the Bible, so we all we know exactly how end times works, and so we know when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. Here's Jesus resurrected. Is this it, Jesus? I don't see any like weapons or anything that you've got. Like, is this it? Is this when you're going to set it up? And he says, "It's not for you to know when that is going to happen." And, had to take the wind out just a tiny bit of the of the disciples there right oh okay okay we'll wait some more i mean we'll just wait some more and and he says it's not for you to know the times um or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority a couple things that that i want to talk about um on that we man we all um we kind of do this within time stuff you know what i mean like uh we all we just want to we want to know we want to know when's he coming is he coming before uh, is he going to rapture the church and then this tribulation is going to be horrible for everybody else and not America? And then uh, we're going to be fine or is he going to be in the mid, like somehow in the middle of this whole tribulation? Maybe he's going to come out and he's going to rescue us out from the worst part at the end. Or, or maybe it's at the end. Maybe we've got to go through. And, and, and so we all, we like, we study, and, oh, I know it's this or I know it's this, I know it's this. And one, thing, one of the things is this, all right? Um, here's the disciples who knew the Old Testament better than we know the Bible. Okay, I mean, they study. The Jews knew the word of God and they had no clue. They did not have it figured out. They could not. They didn't know what this timeline was. And what Jesus says is, I don't want you to know. You don't need to know. You don't. I don't want you to know when I'm coming. I want you to live every day like this is when I could come back. I want you to be ready. I want you to be prepared. I want you to be watchful. I want you to be always living like this is when Christ can return. This is the day that Christ can set up his kingdom. He says, it's not for you to know that. Imagine if Jesus had told them. Imagine if the father had told us. On the, you know, we have people that write books all the time, right? You guys, do you remember um, 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988? You guys remember that? Only one person remembers that book? Your kids, aren't you? You're eight years old then? Oh, he just ruined my day. Um, well, there was a book back in the day, uh, 1980. I remember it. Um, what was I, 15 then? Um, so, like, there's this book that, that comes out, and this guy wrote this book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. And so the, the whole premise of the book was on August 8th, 1988, 8888 okay and i think he said at 808 a.m or p.m or something like that that was when jesus was to come back and uh i don't know if you know this or not he didn't uh the guy was wrong but he sold like 1.5 million books or something like that so he's i mean he got a good house out of it it was pretty cool but you know we have people throughout i read it i looked it up on the internet i read um in the year 1000 um i read this article about um the pope said that that at, at the at the strike of midnight from 999 to 1000 that's when jesus was coming back and so all these people gather around here's the pope and and uh, as i read it now this this is the article i read on it um as, as it's approaching at 999 it's approaching midnight here's the pope with his hands raised on top of the temple and, uh, of the church and and like imagine this picture here's all these people and it says it struck midnight and literally literally many people died of fear terrified i'm just waiting i mean imagine that imagine that here's the pope who has spoken and supposedly his word is it right and so he's spoken and this must be happening here's all these people just waiting 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 and just trembling i mean let's be honest 
You're going to tremble too, right? If someone tells you and you're believing them that this is when it comes and the king of kings who did all the things that we just saw and he's going to do all the things that we saw, see at the end of scripture, that's a pretty scary scene. That's a pretty frightening scene. And, and here they are just waiting and the clock strikes midnight. Jesus doesn't show, but man, just people fall down out of fear, out of fear. And it's, it's dangerous. It's just not good. But here's the other side of it. What if Jesus did say, September, isn't, okay, do not write this. I'm going to go with years past because I don't want anybody to think I'm saying anything. Okay. On August 8th, 1988, Jesus Christ is going to come back and say, I'm just kidding. Acts 17, verse 14 says it right there. Okay. What if it said that? Okay. What happens? Guess what? I'm not living for Christ on August 1st, 1988. I'm not living for Christ in March for crying out loud. March, like I don't have to, I got how many more months until Christ returns? I got plenty of time. And so it, it would make no sense. We're trying to figure out when Christ is coming back and it's going to continue. People are going to keep saying this is when Jesus is coming back. This is when Jesus got Y2K. You know, there's, there was talk about that. It's not, not only the computer is going to crash. I mean, what a perfect way to bring in the end times, right? Computers crash. Obviously, that's the, that's the shout of, of Jesus coming in. And so it's just going to go on and on and on and on and on, guys. And, and we just what Jesus is saying is not for you to know. It's not for you to know. And, and it goes on to the passage. Actually, let me, let me um, at the end of verse 7, he says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. That's important. Um, God has known forever when Christ was going to return and set up his kingdom. It is fixed. It is unchanging. You're not going to change that. I'm not going to change that. That day, that hour, that second is fixed. And he knows when Christ is coming back and we don't. And man, that should affect, that should affect the way that I live. Um, with that thinking, then, then you know, I, I may not finish this sermon. We may not finish this day. We may not finish this week. We have to live that way. We have to live not with, not with our head out of this earth, not with our, our work out of this earth. And that's exactly what Jesus is going to address coming up here. But we have to be living for Christ so that if he comes at any time, that he's pleased and we're not ashamed. It goes on, it says, um, it's not for you to know the, the times that, that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. I, man, this verse 8 this week has been uh, interesting to me, okay? And I've read it so many times. But he says, uh, after that, he says, but you will receive power. He's talking to the disciples, okay? He says, but you will receive power. I found that interesting, okay? Because here's the disciples that we know. They've already cast out demons. They're already doing some pretty crazy stuff. I mean, as we look at it, they're doing... Powerful stuff, right? God is doing powerful stuff through them, right? And here's Jesus says, but you're going to receive power. And so I'm thinking through that. I'm like, what in the world? Like, I I wouldn't mind being at the pre-power stage. Like, I'd be fine with that. I'd be okay with that. And so what is that? What is, what is Jesus talking about when he says that you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses? And I think that has a lot to do with it. And we're going to talk in the next um, weeks ahead about the Holy Spirit and, and, and what does that mean for us? And because um, this is not the passage where the Holy Spirit comes and falls on them. That's coming up in, in chapter two. And so we're going to deal with that later. But what is Jesus talking about? 
What Jesus is talking about when he says, you're going to receive power and you're going to be my witnesses. Uh, when it talks about that, that word, when it says you'll be my witnesses. Um, well, let me, let me do this first. Um, as you think about this whole concept of, of what the disciples are about to do and, and the whole rest of that, um, you're going to receive power. You're going to be my witnesses. And it goes through from Jerusalem all the way to the ends of the earth. And I think that's part of it right there. I mean, Jesus is saying to them, you're going to receive power and you're going to take my message. I'm going to be gone. We're going to find that out in the next couple of verses here. I'm going to be gone. I'm not staying with you. I'm not walking with you. I'm not, I'm not doing the miracles anymore. I'm not telling. I'm not the one that's going to stand up in front and say, repent for the kingdom of God is, to, is, is here. And, and, and I'm not going to be the one that does that anymore. You're going. You're the one that are going to be my witnesses. You're the one that are going to spread the gospel. You're going to start here and it's going to go all the way around the world. Now imagine that. Here's what Jesus is saying. You're going to have power to take my message, the truth, the absolute truth about God, and the only way to get to heaven, and you're going to take it not just to this little town, not just a little village, not to your house, but it's going to go all the way around the world, and nothing's going to stop it. Nothing. You're going to take this message, and there's nothing, not hell, not nothing, that's going to stop this message. And it's going to go on, and it's going to go on, and it's going to go on, and people are going to believe in Jesus Christ, and they're going to get saved. Their sins are going to be totally washed away. It's the only way they can be washed away. And I'm going to give you power that when you take this message as being my witnesses, it's going to go, and 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 there's nobody, there's nothing ever that's going to stop that. That's power. <laughs> like, that's powerful to me. As I think about that, you think about people in the middle of the jungle. My friends um, who, are, who are in Papua New Guinea now, oh gosh, just an incredible story where they pick up and they move from Simi Valley, California to Papua New Guinea, a little different culturally and somewhat different demographically, but it's a big move, okay? And so they move to this jungle and they present the gospel and they present the gospel and they present the gospel and Jesus gives them power through the gospel and these people, this tribe never heard anything about christ they give their life to christ and here's this church that started in the middle of the jungle papua new guinea never been there before and here's a church honoring christ guys that's power i mean as you as you think about that as you think about here's jesus this is two thousand years ago two thousand years ago and he says i'm going to send you out and you're going to be my witnesses and this, there's nothing going to stop it nothing going to stop it i'm going to send you out and this message is going to go and it's going to go and and torture persecution i mean these people died for this message but get the message never ever died never died and it's still going on and on and on and on and on and jesus said, i'm going to give you power so that you're going to see you know jamal talked about where jesus said you're going to do greater things greater things than me and that's it i mean that's i mean god's going to give you power to see you do greater things this is incredible, guys. It's just incredible. And just to break that down, he says, you're going to be my witnesses. Now, what is a witness? It's simple, right? You just look at a courtroom, a trial. What does a witness? What does a witness do? Go. F- What's that? Testifies what? Yeah, exactly. Testifies to what he has seen, what he has experienced, what he has observed, right? And that's exactly what he's saying, okay? You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be the ones that go and you're going to tell people what you've seen, what you've experienced, what you've heard. That's what they're sending out. It's exactly what um, in First John, in First uh, John, you go almost to the end of the Bible to the right. Go ahead and, and, and flip over there. Just keep going. The book of Revelation is the last book. And if you turn from that to the left, you've got Jude, Third John, Second John, First John. And they're like one or two pages each. So you've got to be 
careful here. But the first couple of verses, as John is introducing this letter, he says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was, 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 which was with the Father, it was manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Here's John, and that's exactly what he's doing. He's just witnessing. He's just being a witness of what he has seen, what he's touched, what he's felt, what, he's, what he knows in his heart, what he's experienced about Christ. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be the ones that go. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to do it through you, but you're the ones that are witnessing. You're the ones that are speaking. You're the ones that are doing. You're the ones that are going. You're the ones that are taking this message so that it doesn't stay right here in your little home, in your little house. You're the one that's going to take it, and you're going to go throughout the whole world and take this message everywhere, everywhere, and nothing's going to stop it. Guys, this... this uh, this whole thing that he's saying to the disciples is not just the disciples. I hope we know that. I mean, a couple of reasons. In Matthew, remember at the end of Matthew, it's what Jamal talked about. You're going you're gonna, to um, go into all the world and, 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 man, every time I get to this passage, it's unbelievable. Go, therefore, into all the world and, and uh, is it preach the gospel? That's Mark. It's Mark, guys. It's Mark. Come on. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and uh, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. These messages are not just for the disciples; they're for us. Here's here's one reason why. Guess what? The disciples the disciples could not complete that task. No way, they could not complete the task of taking the message of Jesus Christ all the way around the world. They couldn't do it. And so it's passed on from generation to generation to generation to generation. And that's why this message of you being my witnesses goes to you just like it went to the disciples. It goes out to you just like it went to them. And, and, it's, and it's your, that's why it's your responsibility to go out of your house, to go into your workplace, to go into your neighbor, neighborhood. And not just that, but to be teaching your children to be equipping your children, to be teaching your children so that they are going, so that it's not just a one generation. It wasn't a one-generational thing with the disciples. It's never been a one-generational thing, and so you're teaching so that they go, and so that then they go, and so that then they go, and so that this message that Jesus says is never going to stop. It's never going to stop. No one's going to be able to stop it. I want to be a part of that. I don't know. I just want to be part of it now. I don't want to just be a part of it for this, this short lifetime and this short ministry or whatever it is. Man, I want this to go on and on and on through my kids and through their kids and through their kids and through their kids and through their kids. And And I want to just see the gospel go down through my family so that they can take it to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth, Jesus says. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to take the gospel. You're going to take the message everywhere. John MacArthur, um, he says this, there's a sense in which believers do not even choose whether or not to be witnesses. They are witnesses, and the only question is how effective their witness is. We don't even get to choose it. Jesus says that's what you are. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, here's, here's what you are. You're my witness. 
And, and I love John MacArthur's wording on that. There's a sense where we don't even get to choose that. If we're a follower of Christ, guess what? That's our label. There we are. You're it. You're a witness. And, and what it comes down to is, is how effective are you? And how are you operating under that umbrella of being a witness? Are you doing anything? Are we, are we witnessing? Are we opening our mouth? Are we telling? That's part of it, right? Can you imagine calling a witness up onto the stand, right? And this is our key witness, right? This is him. Right, come on up. This is our key witness. It's going to seal the deal. Trial is going to be over. You guys can go ahead and start packing up your stuff. And he just sits there. He just sits there. He says nothing. I feel like that's what the church is like so often, right? We're, that's what we are. We're the, we're the key witnesses. We're the ones that are going to testify. We're going to tell what happened and what Jesus did and, and how people can be forgiven of their sins. We just sit. We're quiet. We don't want to talk about it. We, don't want to, we certainly don't want to offend people. Can you imagine if the disciples had that mindset? Can you imagine if the disciples went out and said, all right, huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. We're witnesses. We do not want to offend anybody, though. Okay? You realize what that would mean? No, nothing said. I mean, they're living in, in a culture and in a, in a government where, guess what? It's a big deal. You know, we're going to talk about this in a, in a few weeks. It's a big deal to say Jesus is Lord. It's a big deal because Caesar is Lord. Caesar is Lord. And to say that Jesus is Lord is denying Caesar. You can't, you can't say that someone else is Lord in that culture. If you do, you're going to be in big, 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 big trouble with the government. And so the whole idea of saying, no, 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 Jesus is Lord, is literally, is literally putting yourself in danger just by confessing Jesus is Lord in that culture. Because you just denied that Caesar is Lord. Can you imagine if they had that mentality? Well, we're not going to say anything because we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want them to be upset with us. We want to, we want to make sure we have lots of buddies so that, man, and then when they, they see me driving to church one day, man, their life is going to be changed radically because how could that buddy of mine go to church? You know? Can you imagine like, if they had that mentality? This is no. You're going to be my witnesses. You're not going to be quiet. You can't be quiet. You're going to talk about it. If this is the treasure of your life, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to go. You're not just going to go to your house. You're going to go outside of your house. That's, that's kind of the picture with Jerusalem and, and all these places. Jerusalem was kind of the starting point, like their home, right? And I'm not saying that that's literally physically your home. Just their starting point. It's the area that they live in, right? The disciples, Jerusalem. And it goes out from there. It spreads out to neighboring areas. And then what? It doesn't end until it's the whole earth. The whole earth. And it doesn't end just across the street. Then in the next town over, it's the whole earth. He says, you're going to be my witnesses everywhere. Everywhere. That's a huge, huge call that Christ has given to us. It's a huge responsibility he's given to us. We have to evaluate this. Is he worth it? I mean, honestly, man, we say, he's the greatest treasure in my life. He's the greatest thing in my life. And if we follow Jesus' words and we say... He's, he's so much greater than my wife. He's so much greater than my kids. I treasure him so much more than my family. I love my family. I love, I love my wife and my kids. They don't even compare to Jesus. He's the greatest treasure I could ever find. Is he worth it? Is he worth it that we just change and we understand, man, he has in, called me his witness. He's labeled me. His witness. Imagine that. I mean, here's the king of the universe who suffered and died and he rose again. And 
He's called you. He's saved you. He's washed your sins away if you put your trust in him. He says, you, 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 Tony, you're my witness. You're, 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 the, you're the one that's going to go and, and you're going to tell people what I did in your heart. You're going to tell people how you just trusted in me. You, you didn't work anything. You didn't work. You couldn't do anything. You couldn't manage anything. You couldn't make it happen yourself to where you could be forgiven and, and, and clean to be able to go to heaven. You just followed me and, and I forgave you. I cleaned you of all your sins, washed them all away. You're going to be my witness. You're going to go. It's Jesus, the king of the universe, saying that to us. And How are we responding? How are we responding with that? It says, you're going to be my witnesses. And then in verse um, 9 through 11, verses 9 through 11, it says, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. A cloud took him out of their sight. While they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Here's the disciples, and, and uh, Jesus just told them all this stuff, and he just begins to ascend up into heaven. Now imagine that, okay? Don't, don't just look over that as some kind of flannel graph story. If you don't know what flannel graph is, I'm sorry, it's an old school church thing. If you didn't grow up in the church, they used to do in Sunday school these little flannel boards, and they put these flannel people on it that always look neat, and uh, move them around. And really neat. Uh, learn a lot that way. Uh, anyway, we don't want you just to think of this as some Sunday school story where you just see Jesus up in the air and the disciples looking out. I mean, imagine. Put yourself in this place. Here's, here's these disciples who, they've lost Jesus once, right? I mean, they thought he was dead. And he was everything to them, everything. And, and, uh, and here he is again, the hope of the whole world. He's back. I mean, he's, he's alive. And as far as we know, he's going to set up his kingdom now. We get him forever. Forever and ever and ever, and he's never going to leave us, and we're going to be with him. We're going to reign with him. We're going to rule with him, and he's ours forever. We just get him, and then uh, he gives him this charge. You're my witnesses. Go, and he's gone. He's gone again. Imagine just the heart-wrenching emotions that must have been going through those disciples. We thought we had you. We thought we got you, and he's gone, and they're just gazing as this Jesus goes up, hidden by this cloud and goes away and they're just gazing and that, that word for gazing is this longing this this longing as if a, the closest friend left you and and here they are just gazing it's it's a good thing to do right it's an understandable thing i mean they're not doing anything wrong it's their greatest treasure is just gone and then these angels appear and uh i can't imagine like the 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 wrestling that must have been going on inside of the disciples. But here's these angels, and, and it's almost, you know, almost like they're saying, what are you waiting for? You know, what are you doing? What are you, what are you staring at? You know, Jesus is coming. He's told you this over and over and over again. He said it over and over and over. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's going to set up his kingdom. In the same way that you saw him go, he's coming back. In the same way that you saw him ascend, he's coming back in the same way. Don't just stand there. Don't just stand there and stare and watch and wait and anticipate. Do something. Be his witnesses. Go. You guys, I think about that. And, and as I was thinking, like, you know, Jesus told him to wait. You know, wait. And, and they're going to wait until the Holy Spirit comes. And, and uh, I just think, what are we waiting for? 
I mean, they had a reason. Jesus told them, wait until the Holy Spirit comes. We're going to find out when the Holy Spirit comes. There's no more waiting. I mean, you're going to see serious, serious living for Jesus and doing what you're told to do. We're going to find that out with the disciples and those that follow him coming up in these next chapters. But what in the world are we waiting for? I mean, we're just standing watching still, right? And that's a good thing. We ought to be watchful. We ought to be waiting. We ought to be ready. We always ought to be ready. We talked about that already. But what are we doing while we're waiting? Are we being his witnesses? They were waiting for the Holy Spirit so that they had the power to go. We have the Holy Spirit. If we have given our life to Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. No doubt about it. You cannot be a follower of Jesus Christ saved and not have the Holy Spirit inside you. You can't. It's impossible. That's part of it. As soon as we give our life to Christ, as soon as we follow him, as soon as we start that whole process, boom, it's there. We have God living inside of us. And that's what they're waiting for. That's what they're waiting for. But what are we waiting for? According to Jesus, he has empowered us. He has given us the power to take his message and to spread it everywhere. And he said, nothing's going to stop you. Nothing's going to stop it. They might stop you (laughs) in ways that you don't want to be stopped. They might do that. You might be offended. You might get hurt. You might be persecuted in one way. You might be made fun of. But my message is never, ever, ever going to stop. And you're my witness. Now go. What are we waiting for? Are we still just staring up in the sky? Now, uh, I want that longing in my heart. I'll tell you, I want it so bad. I just want that longing. That they just, I, I, just that picture for me is a pretty realistic thing for me. I, I just, I, I crave that. I want that. I want that hunger for Jesus. No, no, no. Come back, come back, come back. Don't leave. Don't be gone. Don't be separated. I want that in my heart so badly. But I can't just stare. I can't just gaze. I can't just stay there. Jesus says, you're my witnesses. You've got to go. You People are not going to hear unless you give witness to what I've done. I hope you think about the reality of that. I mean, I've heard so many people talk about loved ones and neighbors and and friends and whatever. Just broken hearted because they just don't know. They just don't know. They don't know. They don't know. And here's the starting point. Are you telling them? talking to him are you as are you as witness are you saying anything are you just are you doing are you just staring and waiting for god to do something for god to do something he said you're my witness go it's god doing it man i'm I'm telling you i want to remind you again let's give you a preview you're about to see god do some stuff through people that man I know I'm hoping for. I know I'm hoping for it in our church i know i'm hoping for for our people to be that's the reason we're going through this book is that we see what God will do through the lives of people who just submit to him. And then we're just like, okay, I want to be part of that. I want to, I want to get involved in the game now. That's what I'm hoping for. But man, are you involved right now? Are you his witness? Are you talking? Are you telling? Are you testifying to the things that Jesus has done in your life? I hope so. I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to pray that, man, we just step up. And we see these disciples, and, and if you want to read ahead and see what they do, that's awesome. We'll talk about some more next week. But... I'm just going to pray that, that, man, God, his spirit would just become so alive in us that we just stop waiting around. We stop fooling around. We stop playing around. We stop doing the game stuff. Stop talking about being a Christian. And we just become a follower of Christ and start doing the things that he did and the things that he told us to do. 
that's my prayer. And, and uh, man, if you want to pray with someone after the service, I'd love to. I'd love to hook up with you personally and just talk to you. And, and, and if there's things you're struggling with through this, I'd love to. Guys, if you're struggling with things, that's a good sign you're human. Um, you're going to struggle with things. I'm going to struggle with things. But you just can't stay there. If God's working on you, and, and you're, even if you don't feel like he's working on you, if you know from his word he's telling you to do something and you're not doing it, don't just stay there. Don't just stay there. I mean, get with me. Get with somebody you can trust, that you can follow, and, and, and deal with it. Deal with it. You can't stay there. I mean, the, the, the hope of this whole passage is, yes, guess what? Jesus, the same exact Jesus who died and rose again, he's going to come back in the same way. You do not want him, and I do not want him finding us still playing games, still playing around, wasting time, doing nothing. That's not the way I want him to find me. I want him to find me sweaty and working and doing all that I can so that his name is great.